Hi, my name is Jen. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and I'm here to tell you that your body can heal. I've healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s. I've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your life. This podcast is for patients, practitioners, and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. And so I've had this like feeling that I can't have what I want and that what I, that I have to do all these other things. And so what's happened as a result is, or what's, what's been happening as I've been continuing to work on my own nervous system. And I work with, um, a wonderful therapist once a month and I do my own practices and, you know, um, it's a journey, right? This is not a one and done. Uh, what I've noticed is I've, it's gotten very clear. Like I decided to not run my high level mastermind this year. I decided to close my membership. I've, and I've, we've now we're having our, we're in the middle of having the biggest launch we've ever done in our business. And we did the one we ended in January was the biggest one at that point. And this one has been bigger. And so what's happening is as I heal my nervous system and I feel safe now, no matter what, then my soul can take the steps that my soul wants to take for my highest expression, which is I really have another book that I'm ready to write. And I want to spend more time with my kids. And so, cause like parenting is just getting more fun as they get older. And so that for me has been really interesting to witness just like that push pull between, I know this is what I want, but here are the reasons I'm telling myself I can't have it. And here are the things I'm doing to prevent myself from having it, which is just prison guards, right? It's a way that my nervous system is trying to keep me safe in the familiar, which is what's familiar is I, I grew up in a household where there was a lot going on. My parents worked all the time. There was just, it was, it was an intensity of like, we're going from thing to thing. There's a lot happening. We always have a lot on our shoulders. There's blah, 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 blah. And so that's what feels safe because that's what's familiar. Hello, ladies. I am so glad you are here with us today. This is my dear friend and my mentor over the last year, year and a half, Kate Northrup. She is the author of best-selling books, Money, A Love Story. You definitely have to grab that one and Do Less, which is one of my top three favorite reads. And she's the creator of the planner that has really changed my relationship with my business and my body. It's the self-dated Do Less Planner. And I've been a member in Kate's year-long mastermind program, as well as her current relaxed money programs. And let me tell you, she is so congruent with who she is offline and online. And this woman practices what she preaches. From Kate, I've learned how to do business and life differently. So much of what we've been talking about in this I Am Woman program is 
honing our feminine energy. And so much of my wisdom has come from Kate. Her motto is body first, business second. And through her do less dispatch, her emails, her best-selling books, her planner, her programs, she really teaches women how to harness innate energy cycles and productivity superpowers and just do less. She is a breath of fresh air and has been a huge light and inspiration in my life. So Kate, thank you so much for being here with us today. Jen and hello, everybody. I'm so happy to meet you. Yeah. So this group is, this is our I am women program. We've been learning how to heal the feminine energy system in the female body. And then the mastermind group is here as well. And so these women, I think we can all relate on how we feel as women in a world that can sometimes be structured for more of a masculine vibe and masculine energy. Every woman in this group has goals and ambitions, whether it's healing her own life, her own body, or in her business. And I think my first question for you is a little bit about your story. It's really spoke to me when I first hear, heard it about you not realizing how much your identity used to be wrapped up in being capable to do all the things. And then you had a baby and things really changed for you. Can you tell us about your story a little bit in your own words of how you got to a successful entrepreneur doing all the things, not feeling like you were operating as your best self to where you're at now? Yeah, absolutely. So, it, you know, it's been a real journey of ebbs and flows, but I started, um, I started really my own business in high school. So it's been, it's been a long time. Um, and I was raised by two people who might be similar in philosophy to who you were raised by, which is that they, the, the motto was, you know, work hard, like, work hard, put in more hours. And there was a very strong work ethic mentality. My grandmother's motto was don't ask for a lighter pack, ask for a stronger back. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was a, she was a hiker. She was the oldest woman to ever make it to Mount Everest base camp at the age of 84, the oldest North American woman. Um, so that, 84? she went at the age of 84. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So anyway, um, I come from a long line of hard workers and, uh, and when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I basically felt like I couldn't do anything other than lie on my side on the couch. I was sleeping like 14 hours a day and having been a very productive person who thrived on being busy at all times it was such an identity crisis for me because I thought it was the first time I couldn't overcome a challenge through working harder or pushing more. There was just literally nothing I could do to make myself not feel that way. And I also knew that if I did, it might be unhealthy for my baby. So it was this moment of real needing to shift because now my own well being was literally the thing that somebody else's well-being was dependent upon. And when she was born, I, uh, she, it was a, it was a rocky birth experience, a very rocky first or fourth trimester, um, and very difficult first year of motherhood. There was, she had health issues. She was scratching herself bloody 
every night because she was mm-hmm. had such bad eczema. You know, just, just she had to have IV, IV antibiotics um, when she was born, and it was a whole thing. And so that first year of parenthood, I had zero energy, no time for my business, no bandwidth. And I was really hanging on by a thread. I struggled so much with postpartum anxiety and insomnia and just couldn't sleep. Um, And it sucked. However, (laughs) we sat down uh, with our accountant when Penelope was a year old And we realized that we had brought more money in, in our business that year than in any previous year. And that was a huge realization for me because I thought, well, if I've only been devoting about 10 to 20 hours a week to my business while barely paying attention, because I can't even see straight. And I just made more money than I've ever made before. What have I been doing working all these hours my entire life? And I thought, I don't want to repeat this year again for anything. It was brutal. However, there have to be some lessons that I could learn that I could pull from this year and apply on purpose. And I also know I'm not that special. I'm not different than other people. So surely there's something that I did by accident that other people could do on purpose to essentially achieve more by doing less. And so that's where my book do less came from. And that's where the do less planner came from. And that's how I found you, Kate. And now here we are. And now here we are. Listening to that book. And it was like a craving in my soul. Every time I started it and I just would get this feeling, I think I listened to it in like a weekend. I was like, I need like the information and the energy coming through your work in that book. I was like something I, I didn't understand how to do less. Now I do after working with you and really implementing and working with the planner. But I was like, she's saying something that my soul's screaming yes to, but my mind and my body have no idea how to do it. I mean, you've literally created a movement for women in their lives and in their businesses. And in the days that I feel like it's like this old nervous system pattern of like this productivity urge, I can safely fall back on your teachings and the energy instilled in me. So I'm, this sounds probably really, abstract to some of the women listening, are there tangible tools that you can help us extract from your text and from your planner that we can understand and then go back to your work and dive in more? Mm, Absolutely. So one of the things is that's really important to me is making things practical. Um, I'll often read a book or hear a talk and love the theory of it and love the idea but then I'm like, okay, but yeah, but what do I actually do? And so I really like the, I love the theory and I love ideas and I also like results. And I want folks in communities where I speak or my communities to get results. And so the first place that I like to have people start is by, where do, yeah. So I want to invite you into the possibility right now that you are not more valuable when you do more things. Mm. So we need to start with welcoming in the possibility that our worth does not have anything to do with our productivity, that our worth is inherent, infinite, and has always been there, will always be there. We can't do a thing to change it. And so 
then we get to decide, okay, given that if I'm not, if I'm not working then to prove something, if I'm not being busy then to show how I can do things or to prove something to someone or to follow along with some puritanical idea that hard work in and of itself buys us something or that a certain amount of suffering or sacrifice is required in order for me to sort of pay rent here on the planet and, and have the right to take up space. If we take that out, then we can actually begin to assess. And by the way, that's like a whole other thing. Um, and that has a lot to do with our nervous system and conditioning and patriarchal brainwashing and so many things. But for today in the practicals, once you can move past the idea that the more you do, the more valuable you are, then you can start to actually look at your workflow and apply something called the 80-20 rule, also known as Pareto's principle. And it's a great place to start because it's a really easy place to get a quick win. And so here's a quick exercise that we can do together. Um, now, Jen, we have some business owners, right? And some folks who are not business owners. Yeah, we have a good mix. A good mix. Okay, awesome. So everyone can do this. If you're, I would, I would choose an area of your life that you would like to get better results in. So it could be your health. It could be your finances. It could be your career. It could be your marriage. It could be parenting, your spirituality. Um, so choose an area of your life and just take out a blank piece of paper and write the, whatever area is at the top. So health, marriage, career, finances, whatever. And then, and you don't have to use one of the ones I said, it could be something else. It could be your relationship with your garden, whatever. <laughs> um, so write, uh, 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 just draw a line down the middle of the paper uh, vertically. So then you'll have two columns. And then in the left-hand column, take a couple minutes and write down everything you do, all the tasks you do that you can think of that are related to, to um, enhancing that area of your life. So let's just take the gardening example. So if you're like, okay, I want to have a better garden. Great. Okay. So what are you doing over there? You are planting seeds, you're weeding, you're, um, you know, watering it, you're dealing with pest stuff, you're harvesting, you're whatever, right? Um, and try to be as specific as you can with the tasks. So instead of like, if you're talking about in your, in your business, don't say marketing, right? Like, what are you actually doing? Oh, I'm creating three Instagram reels a week. I'm sending a newsletter to my email list every week. I'm appearing on podcasts as a guest, like those sorts of things. So be as specific as you can about your tasks. So I'll just pause talking and give you a couple minutes to work on that.
Okay. And once you're done, just look up. So I kind of have a feel. Okay, great. So then the next step, if you're still working on that, you can always come back to it. The next step is on the right-hand side to write down the biggest wins that you've had in this area of your life. And it could be biggest all-time wins, or it could be the biggest wins in the last year, um, whatever makes sense for you. So let's say uh, it was your garden. Again, you could be like, oh yeah, there was that one summer where I had that incredible harvest of tomatoes. Like, okay, great. So you put that down. It could be, um, if it was your marriage, it could be, oh, this one, you know, the, one of our biggest wins was when, um, you know, we had this major breakthrough in couples therapy and you could just write a few details about that. If it was in your business, it could be, oh, it was when, you know, I got asked to speak for this organization that I really, you know, is like my dream client for a speaking gig. Um, so write down your biggest wins and just take a couple minutes doing that on the right hand column and then uh, look up when you're done. Okay. For those who are done now go through and draw a line between the biggest wins on the right and the tasks that were most directly related to that outcome. So take and read through your list of biggest wins. And for each one, draw a line or lines to as many of the tasks on the left-hand side as were directly related, like most directly related to making that result happen in that area of your life. And some tasks may have multiple lines drawn from them because they might be responsible for multiple wins. And some wins might have multiple lines to tasks because more than one activity was related directly to creating that win. Okay, and if you're finished with that and no hurry if you're not, just go through and circle the tasks that have lines drawn from them to the right-hand side of the piece, piece of paper. So just circle the tasks on the left or draw an underline or star them or indicate in some way the ones that have a line drawn from them to one or more of the biggest wins. And what you'll have when you're done with that is a list of things that are your 20%. What does that mean? These are the tasks that are related to 80% of the results in that area of your life. So Pareto's principle says 80% of our results are created by 20% of our tasks. When you go through and you analyze this, if you were to analyze your marketing data in your business or your revenue in your business, you would find that 20% of your clients account for 80% of your revenue. 20% of your revenue streams account for 80% of your revenue. 20% of your marketing activities account for 80% of your revenue. 20% of your parenting activities account for 80% of your parenting wins. 20% of your health activities account for 80% of your health results. So I'm curious, um, is there anybody who wants to share anything interesting that they learned? Are there any tasks that they're surprised were circled or did this provide clarity for you in the area of your life that you're looking at? You can just unmute and let's just chat about it. Or if you have a question, a clarifying question.
And if you don't want to talk to me, it's okay. You can type in the chat. Hi, Kate. My name is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Uh, quick share, because I don't know if I'm currently only doing 20%, but I circled everything on the left. So Great. is that doing the activity incorrectly, or does that mean no. I'm already just doing what I well, need to do? When you look over those tasks, is there anything that you look at that you feel like is extraneous or maybe you shouldn't be doing, or does it all feel like, nope, I'm really spot on here. I'm, I'm doing the things that are absolutely necessary. Um, it feels like it's necessary. I chose finances. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the things that I wrote down on the left are automatic things that come out like the kids. Oh, is so smart because the next step you're so ahead of the game. I love this. The next step is to take anything on your list that isn't circled or that is circled, but that this is possible with and automate it or delegate it. So if these things are mostly automated, you are super winning. <laughs> this is great. And it's working. Yeah. Great. So you've automated things like savings or different paying things and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. It's great. I'm curious. The, as not a mom yet, but one day for those who are doing this with parenting, I'm like, how do you tell me more? How do you mm. take this principle into like gardening or parenting to automate and delegate? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, here's an example with parenting. So I'm not a gardener, so I don't know, but <laughs> here's an example with parenting. So for me, like my, so you kind of have to know your goal, right? So with parenting, it's more of a subjective so my goal is to feel super connected with my kids and for my kids to be thriving physically, mentally, emotionally. So that's how I know that the parenting is working. If I were to look through and on my list of tasks was like around parenting was like, you know, meal prep, doing the laundry, putting away their laundry, picking up their toys, picking them up from school, driving them to school, volunteering at all the things, um, you know, helping them with their homework, reading to them, bath time, shower time, bedtime, making their breakfast, you know, all the stuff, right? I know for me, if I look at my biggest wins of feeling super connected to my kids and knowing that they're thriving, if I go and draw it directly to the task, task activity, the, the activities that are directly related to the greatest wins with my kids are the ones where I'm being present and I'm connected with them. So while doing the, getting their laundry done and meal prep and grocery shopping and all those other things where I'm not actually connecting with them, those do need to happen. But as a mom, I have zero guilt about the fact that I mostly delegate those things. I'm a business owner. It makes sense for me to do so, so that when my kids home, come home from school, I am with them. Mm -hmm. I'm not, now, listen, when I say this, I just want to say I have zero judgment about how other people do it. I also understand that because of the way my business runs, I'm in a position where I've created something where I can outsource that and pay somebody. So again, like 
those are the caveats. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but as an example in my life, I'm not picking them up and then also trying to figure out, do we have the ingredients in the fridge for dinner? Have I made the dinner? Are there clothes clean for tomorrow? Like all of that stuff is handled so that when they come home from school, I'm just like, hi, how are you? Let's hang out. Um, so that's an example in, in my life. Kate, there's a woman in this group. I won't call her out and she can speak up if she wants to, but we, we spoke one-on-one this week for her session. And I asked her, I'm like, what are the things that you need to do to move forward in your business and show up as like the best woman and best mom and best wife. And she said, I need to get a nanny and I need to like X, Y, Z other things. And I asked her, I was like, do you have the like finances and the availability for the nanny? Yes. And there was still resistance. And I've experienced this with things. What is that resistance? Even if it, because sometimes I don't always believe it comes down to the logistics, like can this work? But there's still that, like, what is that that we encounter? Yeah, I mean, for everyone, it's so different. For a lot of women who I work with and friends of mine, our culture tells us stories or their upbringing told them stories about women who have nannies. Mm. and what that means or families who have nannies and the story about that. So I have friends who have full-time nannies who won't call them nannies. They call them babysitters because Mm. in their head, having a nanny means something. And what that means is not something they want to be. So we have to really notice are, is this a conscious, like, am I consciously saying to myself, no, for real, like having somebody help me and support me on the home front would not be useful for me. And I don't want that in which case, wonderful. I have a dear friend who has eight children and she has no childcare and she runs her business and she makes great money. And it is a very conscious choice. It works great for them. And I love it. She's not choosing that because she's running an unconscious story about what it means to be a woman who has support. Um, now, so just if, if you do have some resistance, you might want to do just some free association around like women who ha- hire nannies are blank. If I had a nanny, I would be blank. And by the way, this goes with anything you have resistance around this conversation, just extrapolate. This doesn't have to be about nannies um, <laughs> because our culture has a lot of assumptions, even with that word. Um, so we have to like learn to break down the conditioning and look at what's actually behind that. And then if what's behind that is serving me and is in alignment with supporting me with my goals and the kind of mom I want to be wonderful. But if I'm resisting because of something my mother told me or because of assumptions I made because of television shows that I watched where people had nannies or whatever, you know, and I don't know, like I grew up watching the Brady Bunch and I don't think that Carol Brady was any less of a good mom because they had Alice. Like I think Alice only enhanced what was going on in the Brady household with the Brady Bunch. Like, I think those kids were happier and Carol was happier because Alice was there. So we can really think about like, what are the stories that have been imprinted on our unconscious that we're acting out whether it's around money, our marriage, our bodies, whatever, because know that if we're not consciously writing the story of our lives, our unconscious is writing the story of our lives. And we won't get what we want because our unconscious is wired for survival, which is beautiful. 
And because of our unconscious and our nervous system, anything that is unfamiliar is going to feel unsafe. That's just how we're wired. And so we will continue to recreate exactly what we've experienced in the past, unless we do something actively to interrupt it, which I don't have to tell you because you're here in Jen's group. So you're doing that, but it's just a reminder of how that works. I remember when we did this exercise or something similar in the mastermind and my, my thing was acquiring wealth and, and bringing in abundance and my belief around it, my, my experience was that I feel like I would be out of control if I had more money and I find the opposite to be true, but it's so true about like what's unfamiliar is feels unsafe to us. So if we're, whether it's a nanny or whether it's growing a garden or whether it's acquiring more wealth and we see the blueprint in front of us, or we see our 20%, we see our automation, our delegation, how do we still work with that feeling of not being safe? Mm, Yeah. Well, we have to have some tools on board to be able to signal to our bodies that we are safe. Um, and I don't know if you, have you worked with any of those tools, Jen, in this group yet? Done a little bit, but I want to give a a plug here because this is really essential. I know a lot of these women and this group will be ready for the next step in their growth and evolution. And Kate runs a program called plenty and, and programs around money where she gives these tools and it has helped me so much with my money, which translates to all areas of life. So I'm curious if you want to share any. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So there are so many tools out there, but here's what we have to know. In order to make lasting, sustainable change that's not incredibly painful, change can be uncomfortable, but there's difference between being a little uncomfortable and being in pain. Um, When we want to create lasting transformation that's sustainable, that sticks, that's not painful, we need to first know how to signal to our bodies that stepping into this unknown is safe and to continue to signal safety every step of the way. So our nervous system is held and cared for and can soften and feel safe to expand its capacity. And so when it comes to looking at your 80-20 and being like, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm spending 80% of my time schlepping my kids around, doing laundry, doing meal prep, cleaning the kitchen, picking up their toys. Like I'm do I'm like that's 80% of my time, but actually and, and this is what we'll often find, actually the thing, the 20% that leads to the biggest wins is the time when I'm super present with them. But I'm handling so many logistics of of, you know, adulting that I'm barely ever present. And so you might have it flip-flopped where you're putting 80% of your time and I'm sorry, where where 80% of your time is focused on the wrong tasks. And then you wanna do something about it, but you feel unsafe. So that that this happens all the time. So you wanna have a couple of tools that you can turn to, to that work for your body to signal safety. So we're going to practice one that was really resonant with um, the people who joined me last week in my um, plenty workshop, and it's called havening. So this is one we can, you can do it anytime. It's like not a weird thing to do. You can do it in a meeting. Um, And so it's just simply taking your hands and uh, rubbing your skin 
slowly over your hands and maybe even all the way down to your forearms. So let's say you're in a meeting and you're starting to notice that you are leaving your body or feeling anxious or feeling contracted or any other kind of way, you could get out some hand lotion from your purse and you could begin to slowly moisturize. And that would be the havening practice. So just notice, just tune into your body and notice as you do this and do do it, actually do it with me. Just notice what happens for you. Notice if you feel anything in your body and then you can take your hands to your shoulders and rub down slowly to your elbows and then back up. Notice if you wanna do this really fast and see if you can slow it down just a little bit. Notice what happens with your breathing. Notice what happens with your eyesight. Notice what happens just in your body. And then let me know, you can either unmute or type into the chat. Just what do you notice? How do you feel doing this havening practice? Yeah, I took a very deep breath. It felt grounding, Carly says. Yeah, great. Calm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's one tool. There's like infinite, but that's one of my favorite tools for letting your nervous system know that it can go into rest and restore. So Cobra felt, Cobra Command felt pulled back into her body. I felt focused. Yeah, Shelly. Okay. So that is amazing, isn't it? We did that for like 30 seconds and you're in now in a different state. Now, I, I don't know what state you were in coming into this call, but I would imagine you have other things going on in your life and some of them might be worrisome. So you might've had, um, you know, a little fight or flight going on or a little hyper thought feeling like, okay, I'm here, but also I have all these other things to do, right? And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Just a little bit of this, which you can do totally for free anytime, as many times a day as you want. And you won't even look like a weirdo. And it really helps you come back into your body and come back into your fullest capacity for clear thinking, for presence, for focus, for decision-making. When we can learn to feel safe first, every decision that we make from there on out in a state of safety will be a powerful decision. We wanna make our decisions out of love, not fear. And so if you're looking at like, okay, is it possible that I could outsource laundry? And then you start running the like, oh no, the women, you know, like whatever you can. That's just one tool. You can go back to havening 
And you can then look at it again and look at your list and say, might it be possible that I could automate, delegate, or eliminate some of the things on this list? And when you first feel safe, when you first move into a parasympathetic response, as opposed to a sympathetic, sympathetic is fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Parasympathetic is rest, digest, tend, and befriend. So we do our best decision-making and our best thinking and our best problem solving in rest, digest, tend, and befriend, because we don't want to make decisions based on survival mode. When we make decisions based on survival mode, we keep recreating survival mode. It's like a Xerox machine, but parasympathetic nervous system is like a printer. You get new things (laughs) instead of a copy machine. So that's uh, one of the practices that I really recommend that, that you want to keep in your back pocket and be able to access before really anything, but particularly before anything where, or while you're feeling resistance or contraction um, of any kind. This is so helpful. I know every single woman in this group, because I've got to know you through the I'm woman program or the mastermind and every single one of us has something. I mean, Kate, I'm curious about your next step in evolution too. Like we have something in us that is calling to us, speaking to us, whether that's a shift in our parenting, a shift in our business, a shift in our, and healing our female body. And it seems like sometimes there's like prison guards around us to like keep us safe. And so as you embody this work and you teach this work, and like I said, Kate is as congruent online as she is offline. Like, how do you find these practices as a seven figure business owner and your work is evolving and taking incredible leaps? Like, how do you implement this in your life as well? Just a little, Um, I love this question. So um, I'm glad you brought up the prison guards, because if you want to read more about the nervous system, you may have already recommended patriarchy stress disorder, but yeah, by Dr. Valerie Rain. Um, I knew about the nervous system before I read her work, but I didn't really get it before. So Dr. Valerie Rain is like so incredible for learning about, particularly as a woman, how does our nervous system work and how can we really be the most powerful we can be? Um, so for me right now, it's funny. I've uh, noticed a pattern in myself to like really have these cravings to say to Mike, oh, well, you know, if if everything was on autopilot with our business or, you know, if I didn't need to work anymore or whatever, Mike is my husband and business partner, then I would just, I would just write books and do nothing else. And he's like, he has said to me many times over the last several years, Kate, writing books is a business model. (laughs) There are many people for whom that's what they do. Like, if you want to do that, you can do that. And so I've had this like feeling that I can't have what I want and that what I, that I have to do all these other things. And so what's happened as a result is or what's, what's been happening as I've been continuing to work on my own nervous system. And I work with, um, a wonderful therapist once a month and I do my own practices and, you know, um, it's a journey, right? This is not a one and done. Uh, what I've noticed is I've, it's gotten very clear. Like I decided to not run my high level mastermind this year. I decided to close my membership. I've, and I've, we've now, we're having our 
we're in the middle of having the biggest launch we've ever done in our business. And we did the one we ended in January was the biggest one at that point. And this one has been bigger. And so what's happening is as I heal my nervous system and I feel safe now, no matter what, then my soul can take the steps that my soul wants to take for my highest expression, which is I really have another book that I'm ready to write and I want to spend more time with my kids. And so, cause like parenting is just getting more fun as they get older. And so that for me has been really interesting to witness just like that push pull between, I know this is what I want, but here are the reasons I'm telling myself I can't have it. And here are the things I'm doing to prevent myself from having it, which is just prison guards, right? It's a way that my nervous system is trying to keep me safe in the familiar, which is what's familiar is I, I grew up in a household where there was a lot going on. My parents worked all the time. There was just, it was, it was an intensity of like, we're going from thing to thing. There's a lot happening. We always have a lot on our shoulders. And so that's what feels safe because that's what's familiar. And so as I am working on, which we all are changing my thermostat setting for to one where there's more abundance and more calm while it's not necessarily less work because I actually love my work, but focusing on fewer things in my work. And the ones that I am focusing on are like such a full body yes. So as I shift my nervous system, what's so cool is I don't have to feel like I'm getting up the courage to do big things. It just happens. And so that's my, that's, you know, my report to you is that as we do this healing work and you're in a container like one with Jen, like each other, where everyone is sort of moving forward and expanding. So it feels safer to do so because you're seeing other women do it, which automatically communicates to your nervous system. Oh, it's safe for me to expand because Sue just did. And like, she's alive (laughs) and thriving. So therefore I can too. So just the co-regulation of being in a container like these two programs is amazing and so good for this healing. But as you do it, you'll find you just take the action steps that are aligned with your purpose and your highest expression without having to try so hard to do them and without having to like work yourself up to do it. It just becomes like breathing. And by the time you've actually taken the action step, it doesn't feel like such a big deal anymore because your nervous system has shifted its thermostat so that that actually feels safe and normal. And that's how you know you've grown your capacity. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but stay with me here for a minute. I want to tell you about the most miraculous healing device I've used to leave chronic illness behind and become a modern day, real life energizer bunny. It's true. You've heard my podcast. You know, I can talk forever. First to give you this information. I want you to think of your body like one giant solar panel. You know, the one that sits on rooftops and turns sun into energy inside the home. Our bodies are basically the same thing whether that's from the sun or healing infrared. By exposing our skin to sunlight, 7-dehydrocholesterol in the skin absorbs the UV light and is converted to pre-vitamin D. 
which in turn changed right into vitamin D and is used by the entire body for inflammation. The systemic effects from red and infrared light are similar as the area of your body receiving the light can impact other areas in the entire body. This is where the solar panel analogy comes through. Research suggests this may result in more soluble mediators such as endorphins, serotonin, and increased ATP production in mitochondria. What does that even mean? Your body is going to feel hella good with infrared light. I promise. Infrared has been the second best thing next to food to heal my chronic conditions. You can click on the infrared link in the show notes to see my face riddled with eczema from my collarbone to my forehead. And these infrared devices literally helped me melt the condition away when I was healing with nutrition. I would wake up cracked, bleeding, oozing. I couldn't even smile. I couldn't move my face, but thank God for infrared as I was using the only thing that I found that could help heal my eczema reduce my fatigue and flush out inflammation. So I could be here with you sharing the good news about how your body can heal today. Infrared therapy is so great in the winter months or when you're working during the day and your body is craving the sun. You can set up your device, your red light device next to your desk. You can lay on a bio mat while you work, or you can hop in the sauna for a quick lunch break. You can have all of these devices in your home at an affordable price. So infrared light can also increase your energy, soothe eczema, psoriasis, and wounds, uplift seasonal depression, and reduce painful inflammation. The list literally goes on. We don't have enough time. And I want to tell you this winter when my Juve red light device came in the mail, I set it up on my Phi mat, my bio mat, and I laid there with all of this infrared and light going across my upper body. And I laid there for a good 30 minutes until Jeff was like, hey, it's time to go to dinner. And the funny thing is, it was like every mitochondria inside every single cell in my whole body was like, stay. I literally could not get up because this is what my body had been craving for so long. Needless to say, we were late for dinner that evening. So Juve Red Light Therapy even has a traveler mini device for localized treatment, and that is super affordable for your budget. One thing I know for sure, you will feel better under any sort of infrared light, whether that's a biomat, a red light device, a sauna, and you will not regret this investment for your health and healing. So check out the link in the show notes to explore all the devices I mentioned. You can use code your body can heal for $50 off a red light device or receive up to $600 off any sunlight and sauna just by using the link. So choose one, two, all three of these devices and move the needle forward for your health and healing so you can get to an abundant state of vitality. Now back to this juicy episode. I love how you say it as co-regulation. I experienced it as the same thing and gave words to it as an energy exchange. I thought as I was in the mastermind, there were a lot of really high level women in this group. And just by being in that frequency, my body and my nervous system took leaps without my mind having to know what to do. And it was really incredible. And so I'm curious, Kate, I'm just in awe as you continue to like grow and expand in your business. So you releasing your membership, which is amazing and getting ready to write your next book. You've released continuing this year of the mastermind. Did your prison guards challenge you at all when you were thinking about those decisions or was it just your nervous system was so ready? You're like, yes. Oh. So 
to be perfectly honest, I knew on some level that I needed to close my membership last March. So March of 2022. Wow. And then instead of doing that, I changed the pricing and I basically like lit a torch to my business. I mean, it was gnarly behind the scenes. <laughs> and, um, you know, if I had been whatever, everything's perfect. I don't, I, I don't have regrets, but if I had had a little more healing on board at that time and could have slowed down more and felt if I had felt more supported, uh, if I had allowed myself to feel more supported by having the right team members on board, I think I could have slowed down enough to realize that, you know, so often we stay in relationships longer than we should have. Like we know it's time to go and then we stay like another year. Um, I know many of us have done that. <laughs> it was like that with my membership and I love the women in there. So it's nothing about them and many of them are working with me in other ways, but it was something about the container. And so instead what I did, I think the prison guards unconsciously had me do what I did which is uh, mess with the pricing structure and piss off a lot of people. And then the way we handled it on the back end wasn't like the most elegant. So it was not a, it was just not a pretty, I just, I'm saying this only to say like, no matter what's going on and no matter what it looks like on the outside, everyone's dealing with stuff and you don't have to be perfect in order to have a thriving business. This was, it was messy. And, um, and so, yeah, the truth is I should have probably closed it then, or, or that's what my, that's what my soul was calling for, but my nervous system was not ready. And so what my nervous system and unconscious created instead was um, some chaos. And <laughs> that felt very familiar to me. Um, and now what feels more normal and safe is a level of calm that I now have capacity to sustain. I think we can all relate to that. I remember on our last one-on-one, one -on -one, you said something that sticks with me and I'm applying right now. I was like, okay, Kate, so you have, you know, your, your, your consistent revenue, your seven-figure business. You look at these kind of silos or these pillars of how you're generating revenue. And I'm hearing that you're transitioning out of one or two of them. I think it was just one at the time. Yeah. I was like, so um, this might be a blunt question, but how do you plan on making that revenue? And you told me the most beautiful thing. You're like, Jen, I like to leave a margin for magic. And I've been doing that and it works. It freaking works. <laughs> it works. It's uh, like, but it only works if you know how to regulate yourself through the leap. Yeah. It okay. does not work if it makes you feel panicked. This is true. So- that's the piece I actually first uh, came up with that or came to me, the margin for magic at a mastermind that I was at in 2015 with way bigger players than me. And they were sharing about their businesses. And I was just, I was invited as a guest and I was just there with them. And I was like, wow, I am small potatoes. <laughs> and I did my presentation about my business goals for the year and my revenue streams. And one of the guys was like, you, what you're predicting with your revenue streams does not match your revenue goal. So where's the extra going to come from? And I said, I like to leave a margin for magic. And then I ended up going on one of their podcasts to share that concept because he, that the, a different guy really loved it. 
But the problem was at the time or whatever, we are where we are. I didn't know about the nervous system and I didn't know how that works. So I, what, what's true is, yeah, it really does work to leave a margin for magic, but it only works if you know how to continue to signal to yourself that you are safe, even when you don't know how it's going to work out. Um, and I will say the margin for magic has never let me down. Um, but it works way better now that I have tools. Like this morning I was going through a, a dip. I was, I woke up kind of freaking out about my launch. I was like tr trying to backtrack on all this pricing stuff and twirling out. And then I reminded myself that safety, you know, safety first, right? Like I needed to come back to safety. So I sat on my floor. I got out my animal card deck. I like worked with my own self and my own nervous system to come back into a state of coherence and regulation. And I talked to a friend, a trusted friend. I laid on my biomat. I did some red light therapy and then it was super clear. And I was like, Oh, I'm back. We're good here. Back on track. And then able to make some very powerful decisions about the launch. I love how you make that so tangible. It's like, even Kate can feel unsafe. And as you're talking about like, Hey, we're having the biggest launch. It can still feel unsafe. Yeah. The tools. And I'm, I have this image in my mind. I just want to speak. It's hilarious to me. Kate in a board, in a hypothetical boardroom of very masculine business players, a lot of men being like, I have a margin for magic. And half of them having question marks above their head and half of them having light bulbs being like, yeah. so we're ready for this shift. One-on-ones yeah. yeah. you're like, Jen, this is so helpful for me. You're like, you're still trading time for money. And I was like, yep, I don't know how I'm going to shift. And over the last, the next few months, I noticed my calendar starting to have a lot more white space. And you talk about this too, of like, I was looking at my time when it was busy as my worth and making money. And I just was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I left this margin for magic. And then the passive income started coming in. Cause I was like, well, I don't want to do it. So I guess I'm going to have to allow another way in. Yeah. And that's also one of the, uh, sort of spiritual laws of prosperity that we have to let go of what's not working sometimes in order for it to be filled in with something that is working. So in feng shui, one of the things, uh, so I'm a trained feng shui practitioner, and one of the things that I learned and saw exhibited so many times with my clients was that they would be holding on, let's say they wanted a new chair for their living room, but I went into their living room and I was like, what is this old, like ratty, stinky piece of furniture doing here? And they would be like, well, I can't afford a new chair or, well, that chair was given to me by my dad or like. The, all these reasons they were keeping this chair that they didn't, that they hated. And I would say, you know, you have to let go of the thing that's not working for you in order to call in the thing that is, because right now, energetically, there's not space in your living room for the chair you want. And of course we can think about this metaphorically in so many different ways in our lives. And it's true for our revenue streams. It's true for in romantic relationships, it's true for whatever that we often will not be able to call in the thing that's actually optimal for us because we're holding on so tightly to the thing that's not working, which communicates to the universe energetically that we don't believe that we can have what we want. 
And when we don't believe we can have what we want, we don't get what we we want. But then the missing piece there is the way you believe you can have what you want is not by just only thinking about your thoughts and changing your thoughts. That is helpful, but it is also to learn to signal to your nervous system that you are safe. Because when you do that through havening, again, a million different practices, the emotional freedom technique, you know, tapping, those are a couple of examples. You don't have to be on the mind trip of, do I think I can have what I want or not? Your body just feels safe and then all is well. Because when all is well, all is well. And you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Really offer this like, sacred third one a concept I've learned from you is black and white thinking can be a trauma response it's it's either or and then there's this sacred third and for women and for business owners and for moms and for wives you've offered this like sacred third road of there's a lot of teaching on you got to do the mindset work or you got to do the 10x grind work and you're like but there's this other road and it's so refreshing yeah well I think everyone's probably ready for some Q and a, so we have a question in the chat and ladies, you can unmute, you can put it in the chat. Kate is a wealth of knowledge and I'll read the question and then I'll see where this goes. So Kate, where did you learn, get safety tools to regulate yourself, monitor your thermostat in addition to today's chat? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So definitely read patriarchy stress disorder. Um, another incredible book is the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, the body keeps the score, incredible data in there, stories that are just pretty mind blowing and some tools, some of which it's not organized as much of as, as a user friendly, but you can extrapolate. Like he tells about this whole story about how they learned that rhythmic movement is really good for the nervous system in trauma patients. And then, you know, I just added swaying to my toolkit. So he's not going to like outwardly say, X, Y, Z, but you're smart enough to figure it out. Um, so that one I love. So patriarchy stress disorder, the body keeps the score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Um, I also, you know, I'm a trained yoga teacher and pranayama teacher. So I did a 300 hour teacher training with Rodney Yee and his wife, Colleen Sademan Yee. Um, I am in the process of getting my um, certificate for, from the, heck is the school called? Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. I don't, they need to work on their branding because the title of their program is not sticky enough. (laughs) The program is called the embody lab and the certificate program is the integrative somatic trauma therapy certificate. So I'm in the process of doing that, but the, the embody lab is a great company that does different free trainings, a lot of, um, pretty affordable, pretty accessible, um, trainings and programs. Now that's like more professional training if you want to add it into your, um, but I think they have some stuff that's not for professionals. Um, Dr. Peter Levine. Oh yes. Somatic trainings are really good too. Yeah. As somatic experiencing international. Mm-hmm. Is that what? Yeah. So somatic yeah. experiencing, they have a great Instagram account. Mm-hmm. I love the somatic experiencing Instagram account. I get a lot of nuggets from there. Um, but really the, the, the biggest practice I would recommend is setting a lo- an alarm on your phone and once an hour, just checking in with your body and just noticing like what's happening in there. Yeah. I mean, and from- build, when you build that relationship, your body will start to tell you more things because it knows you're listening. 
and you'll start to build the sensitivity to understand the language of your body. And as you do that, any tool that you then use will be more effective. I also want to share um, earthing as a, as a practice. So there's incredible data around getting our bare feet on the ground or laying down on the bare ground. The way our nervous system co-regulates with the electromagnetic field of the planet is so cool. It's one of the easiest practices you can do because all you have to do is lay down or stand barefoot on the ground or put your um, spine against a tree trunk or hug a tree, depending on your, the weather, where you are, depending on your level of comfort, um, your body will automatically shift into resonance with the frequency of the planet when you do that. And you don't have to do a darn thing except for put your body next to it. The do less way of healing. So good. It's so good. Um, you know, forest bathing, like there's, there's a lot of different practices. If you want to learn more about that, um, there's a great book called the healing codes of nature. If you're a science nerd, like me, um, that one is translated from German. So the writing is a little like, but, um, it's really good. If you like science, (laughs) this is so good. I'm writing these down healing codes of nature. Beautiful. What other questions do you have? Ladies, feel free to unmute. It can be something personal and coaching, like to take you through your experiences you're working through. What's in your life? Mm. Yeah. Earthing and forest bathing. So good. Emma's getting ready to have a baby. And she was telling me that she's just feeling this like deep need to be on the earth and, and space on the earth. It was so wild when I was pregnant with Ruby, my second, um, I was working on grounding at the very end of my pregnancy, but it was, it was March in Maine. So the, the ground was still covered in snow. I couldn't just like go put my, you know, bare feet down. So I would go out and hug a tree in my backyard. And every time I did it was so wild, I would throw up. And so there was some sort of like regulation happening because there's no, you know, it's not like a good scientific explanation for, I would a pregnant lady go hug a tree and then immediately vomit. But, um, and one might look at me and be like, the, why would you keep doing that? But I just knew something was important about it. Um, so Emma, that may or may not be helpful. (laughs) Okay. So Deb's asking about the sacred third. Um, so is there more to that question? Do you want to know about it specifically for your life or just to explain it more? Yeah. Just talk more about it. Okay, great. So I do not remember the origination, the origin of the term, the sacred third. I don't think it's me, but I can't, I've asked around a lot and it's unclear. So just no, don't quote me on this. I mean, you can quote me, but say it's not for me. So, but that being said, I did have this guest speaker come to our mastermind one time and she uh, gave, her name is Darla Ledoux and she wrote a book called Shifting the Field. And she taught us, and I already knew about either or, or black and white thinking as a trauma response. I had learned that from my friend, Sarah Tacey, who is a, um, a trained intuitive somatic healer. She was on our, she came to our group and spoke a couple of- Oh, you met Sarah. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Amazing. So Sarah's like one of my best friends from Maine. I'm so happy you connected with her. She's incredible. So she taught me about either or thinking as a trauma response. And then Darla was talking to us about solutions in our businesses, um, specifically around higher leadership, but this applies regardless to any situation. And she said, what we will often do is we will be in, somebody tell me about something they're trying to decide about. Could be a car purchase. It could be something having to do with your kid in school. It could be, uh, you know, I'm deciding where to go on vacation. It could be, I'm deciding whether or not to try to get out of this contract, whether to resign my lease, whatever. Just what's something that you're thinking about right now that you know you need to make a decision on, but you haven't yet. I have something, Kate. Okay, great. So my black and white thinking, and I pulled a card literally this morning that said it was like sacred union third or something. Oh, I love that. Mother Mary deck. And I, I still don't know what it is, but my black and white thinking right now is, um, Ooh, and then Shelly has one. Okay. Great. Um, Is we're either going to buy this land. That's really sentimental to me. If, if it comes up for sale and build our home and healing center, and like, that's going to be the thing. Or we're going to have to go really, really far in the other direction. Um, like it's very far in the other direction and do everything there. It has to be either this land or a brand new land. And I just have to make a decision and it's going to unfold. Uh-huh. Okay. That's a great example. <clears throat> so I have this desire for land and to be able to do the things I want to do on that land. Mm-hmm. And the black and white thinking is either it's this piece of land or I have to go really far away and do this whole other thing. And so the sacred third, so Darla taught us that most often with our trauma response thinking, black and white, all we can see is this, we're either here or here. So our decision-making is on this narrow spectrum of it can be this or it can be this. But what she said is that most often the best solutions are actually not on that spectrum. They're like up here, but we can't access them from the place. You know, there's the, um, I think Albert Einstein quote, you cannot solve the problem at, from the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Yes. And so that's where our nervous system regulation comes in, because if we can, shift into a different nervous system regulation state and expand our capacity to see more possibilities, we're no longer in the consciousness with which we created the problem, even if it's not a problem that we created in the first place. But we're not at that same consciousness of problem even. We're in the consciousness of possibility, of solution, which you literally, when we are in fight, flight, fawn, freeze, our peripheral vision gets narrowed. We literally have blinders on. So one other nervous system regulation tool that I love, we can all do it together. Put your fingers out in front of your face and look at your two pointer fingers. And then slowly continue to look forward, but keep your peripheral vision on your two fingers. So just look, you know, softly forward, but stay aware of your two fingers. You can wiggle them in the corners of your eyes if you need to. And then just move your fingers until you can't see them anymore. 
and then move them right back in just to the very edge of your peripheral vision. So wiggle your fingers around, you're looking forward, but you can see your fingers and just play with that. Oh, now I can't see them anymore. Oh, there they are. Okay, great. So I'm looking forward, but my fingers are in my peripheral vision. It's also great for your triceps. Okay, and then you can put your hands down. That's another practice. I'm curious, what did you notice as you did that? What did you notice in your body? And these things are subtle, but we're building our sensitivity. So how do you feel now? Did you notice anything? Yeah, your right side went out of vision first. Uh-huh. What else? Do you notice anything with your breath? Do you notice anything now afterwards? feel more focused, like more back centered in my body to the conversation. Uh -huh. Great. More in your body. Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So that's another one. Uh, I felt expansion in the body. I wasn't aware of. Yeah. When we do that practice, we short circuit the tendency to go into blinder mode and we widen our field of vision. Mm -hmm. And when we literally widen our field of vision, we also metaphorically and energetically widen our field of vision. And suddenly there's a lot more possibilities and there's a lot more options. And so that's, that can be a great way to access the sacred third. You can do the havening, you can do the grounding, you can do the earthing, you can do the forest bathing, you can do um, this practice, you know, just, just choose one. And I recommend just having one because sometimes when you're in fight or flight, you can't actually make a decision. So you could just be like, okay, great. My practice is happening. Done. I just do this. I have one practice, the end. <laughs> and that is wonderful. There's not, it's not like you have to have 25 different things. I just teach this. So I happen to have a lot of tools, but you only really need one. Um, and so, so when you are able to first access, oh, I'm safe, then the sacred third can become more available. And the sacred third is the possibility that is not either this or this. It's up, it's like over here or it's over here. It's, it's like popping off of that limited spectrum of choices and seeing, oh, there's a way that I could have everything I want, right? So we were thinking about doing this thing this morning in the launch where I was like, oh, we could say this, this, and this. And my husband was like, yeah, but that would be super weird. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but what is the possibility? Like, how could we get the result we want without communicating with our audience in a way that's super weird? So that's the question you want to start asking yourself is like, okay, instead of letting the part of you just say, you can't do that because X, Y, Z, that's fear-based, that's nervous system limitation, that's you trying to keep yourself in the familiar band, which is smaller than your potential or all of us, right? That's you trying to stay, tone it down, tamp it down, stay here. Instead, you can say, okay, well, I don't know how this might be possible, but I'm just going to go through my day saying to myself, how might it be possible to live on land that's really special to me and feels super sacred and connected and be able to operate in all the ways on that land and for it to be 
within X radius that really works for me and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And it's, just ask. That constriction, it's, I, when, as you were talking about this, I was like, I notice I lose connection to that sacred third because I get a little attached. Yes. to either, to either one. I'm like, it's gotta be this. I just like swing. I'm like, I don't want it. I want it. <laughs> like, and then what we know about the reticular activating system is a part of our brain. It's a bundle of nerves uh, at the top of our uh, spinal cord or, t- you know, at the end of our brain stem, the reticular activation system is a part of our brain that filter. We are getting so much information all the time in very subtle and not subtle ways. There's a lot of visual information where you are. There's auditory information. There's sensory information from the temperature, from there's like so much information happening. And when you go out in the world and you're at a party and people are talking or you're, you know, on social media, you're just scanning, scanning, scanning. The reticular activation system is so awesome because what it does is it filters out all the unnecessary stuff so that you're just focused in on what you need. The thing is though, the, it will, it's called the RAS for short. It will pick up on and notice the things that you're focused on. So if you are focused on, it either can be this or it can be this, the reticular activation system will automatically filter out any possibility. That's not those two things that you've decided are the only possibility. So you will miss, even if you met the perfect person to align with this other sacred third, you will literally not see them or hear them or notice them. Your reticular activation system will dismiss it as irrelevant. So instead, what you want to do is what I said, which is what else might be possible, which automatically signals to your brain to start filtering for the sacred third. Mm. And that's why we get more of what we focus on. Yeah. Shelly's a business owner and yeah. she was curious about how outsourcing payroll, can we relate it to the RAS? Can we relate it yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. So for, if you were working on deciding about outsourcing payroll, there might be, you know, there might be this situation of like, okay, either I can keep the payroll in house and do it all myself, or I can outsource it and pay more than I want to pay for it or something. I'm just making this up. Is that okay? Great. <laughs> As a business owner, I'm imagining what that, so either I can sacrifice my time or I can sacrifice my money. An example as someone who does outsource payroll (laughs) is first of all, you should check out gusto.com. They're amazing. Um, And then second of all, um, what we have found is that through outsourcing it, the time that we save has made us way more money than we pay for the service. So that's an example of a sacred third because because there might be a thinking of either I, so I'm, I'm on the spectrum of sacrifice and my choices of sacrifice are, and this is very common for business owners, I can either sacrifice my time or I can sacrifice my money. The sacred third is what if I could have both more money and more time? And then you just tell your little brainstem, hey, We're going to be filtering for options where we have more time and more money as it relates to payroll and everything else. Is that helpful, Shelly? Okay. Awesome. Tell Jen when you, when you find the sacred third, I I want to know, I want to know, maybe it's Gusto. I don't know, but that's great. I, I have a 
curiosity that this might have to do the, with the margin for magic with the last question around the sacred third, closing a side business I should have done months ago. Yeah, again, like that's, uh, that's one of those decision-making things of like, Ooh, I should, or, Oh, you know, I can, or whatever. And so again, Emma, I'm, I'm gonna attempt to, you know, fill in some of the details unless you want to unmute and tell me, which I would absolutely welcome. Um, I'll just pause. Hi. Hi. You want to tell me sort of where you're at in terms of that spectrum of either, either, or. So the one thing that's holding me back mm -hmm is I feel like I'm leaving money on the table because I have um, like rewards that you get as a consultant with this business mm -hmm. and I need to use them. So but it's the I illusion of sunk cost. I think so, yeah. Yep, great. Okay, that's great. And so you need to use them by a certain time or you need to keep something active in order to be able to access those rewards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Such good marketing, um, from a, you know, yeah. right. Um, and so, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's clearly effective. So there's a couple things. One in that situation, I would actually do some math. So first I would choose a regulating tool, you know, we could do some havening, whatever. And then I would sit down and I would do some math and I would think about, okay, what is the cost of you keeping this business open? What does it actually cost you in hard costs, if there's like an mm -hmm. auto order or, you know, some sort of subscriptions, something like that. So what's the hard cost? And then what's the cost of your time? Like if you were to average it out, how many hours a week or a month do you think you are uh, either investing in thinking about this or just like, mm -hmm. what's the cost of the bandwidth that it takes up? And then you can figure out what the cost is of your time by figuring out what is it that you earn in a year and what are the average number of hours you work. And then you can just do the math. Um, cause for some people like myself, I don't work hourly. So I like, I would have no idea what an hour of my time is worth. But if I look mm -hmm. at what I generate in my business annually and the hours I work and the number of weeks I usually take off, you know, I just do some quick math. Okay. So it's 52 weeks in the year. I take four of them off. I work on average 20 hours a week. So 40, you know, so 48 times 20 is this number of hours. And mm -hmm. I take my business revenue divided by that. Even other people, you know, provide revenue in the business too, but it's like, I'm still somewhat the engine. So then I know like, oh, okay, wow. My, my hourly rate is, you know, let's just pretend it's a hundred dollars because it's an easy number. So it's a hundred dollars an hour. And if you are not only investing the monthly amount for this membership, and then also, you know, the amount of your time, you can just kind of do the math. And then you look at the total value of those rewards and just see it doesn't make sense from a numbers perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, I definitely and, don't think that it does. <laughs> okay. Now in that case, maybe there is a sacred third, maybe there's not. Um, but that one felt like a math problem. Yeah. It's just a matter of, I need to close out these rewards and use them. And I keep putting it off because it's like, not leaving that margin for magic and fear and scarcity around uh, the finances to have it to close it out mm -hmm. and then just getting put on the back burner, but it's yeah. taking up a lot of worrying space in my brain. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. Like the amount of, it's like rug burn. 
like from just revisiting yeah. the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And that again, yeah. like that is an adaptation. Overthinking is an adaptation that our nervous system has to keep us in a familiar band of experience so that we're not mm-hmm. pushing beyond what feels safe. And so you counteract that by learning to feel safe first, and then possibilities become available that you just didn't have access to before. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations. Thank you. I am kind of curious from like a starting a business perspective, how to stay aligned with these things. Um, my background is like past year and a half, I've been spending getting my nervous system out of the complete gutter, um, full corporate background, thousand miles a minute, tons of working lots of hours, lots of demands, and just finally trying to settle it down and now start my own thing with health coaching, energy healing, those sorts of things. But I'm finding my nervous system is still kind of settling. So I don't, it's a little bit hard to find the time where I'm really settled to make the decisions I need to be or to move forward with my business, because I'm still in that learning to co-regulate phase. Um, So what advice do you have for someone that's kind of trying to build something new and from that place of creation and safety versus getting back into old patterns. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're totally in the right place already. So you're, you know, you're doing it. So I would say like, keep going with what you're doing, which is if you're attracted to Jen and her work, your, your picker is pretty good. (laughs) So I would say you're on track um, and you can trust yourself to continue to be on track. So that's number one. I think you're already doing really great. And then number two is, um, do you have any practices? You said your nervous system was in the gutter. What did you do or what were the practices that you have leaned into over the last year and a half that have really been supportive? Um, All the things I made a plan to leave my corporate job, which was really, really high stress. And that and being a mom of two was just a lot. Um, Made a plan to leave it, picked up some learning that was just really enjoyable to me, mm-hmm. um, to replace it and have a place to put some of that energy, um, grounding saunas, um, diet changes, meditation. So I'm doing so many things. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is this, the pressure that I put on myself of, okay, I'm losing this salary that I had. that was pretty good. And now I'm going to start this new thing and I don't want to force it. So I don't really know what it's going to be yet. So I need to let it percolate and Mm -hmm. brew so that I know what it's going to be. But coming from that place of financial security to more nervous system security now, it's a big paradigm shift. And I want to bring that financial security back into where I'm at with my system safety, but I'm still in that creation mode. So it's not there yet. What I would recommend is uh, having an amount number-wise that you feel comfortable, um, like either a time span or combined with an amount that you would feel comfortable. So I've been in positions in the past, and this was really supportive for me. I've been in a position in the past where I had a really sick family member and I really needed to pull it way back work-wise. And I was super burned out. So I just like had zero capacity. And instead of going into my old nervous system patterns of hyperdrive and needing to push to produce, I just said to myself, okay, I'm going to give myself 90 days and X amount of dollars that I feel comfortable getting into going into the hole. 
And after 90 days or X number of dollars that I've gone into deficit, I am going to reassess. And I didn't end up going into deficit. We had like one of the best quarters of our business and I just rested. Um, now I did other, I did things, but they were like restful, you know? And then I rested more. I was like, started watching shows in the middle of the day. <laughs> it was like ridiculous. And I will tell you having that stop gap really helps the part of me that wanted to be like, oh my God, if you're watching a show in the middle of the day, you're going to blow up your business and not be able to feed your kids. I mean, it was just really, so I was like, no, 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 I'm doing an experiment. And for 90 days or until X number of dollars, I have permission to do this because I had, I knew that like going in X number of dollars was like, whatever for our family, we could have figured it out. Um, and so that's what I would recommend is like having a window of time, because what will happen is if you give yourself that window of time and you're in a mode of experimenting and you take the pressure off, your creativity is going to blossom. Your magnetism is going to explode. You'll create miracles that you wouldn't have been able to do to create with that pressure of like, I got to replace my corporate salary today. Cause it's not like, that's not fertile. We don't ask the, the body to have a fully formed human ready to give birth in a month. It takes like almost 10 months. Right. You know? And so you want to let it take the time. My pediatrician for our daughters in Maine, when I was super pregnant with my second, I was like so ready for her to come out. And we were leaving the pediatrician appointment for my toddler. And she was like, just remember the longer the baby stays in there, the better. <laughs> As I was walking down the hallway and I was like, Rrr. it was like so pissed, but she was right. You know, so sometimes things just take as long as they take and it's actually better for the ripening. Um, so, so do what you can do to give yourself a little structure around it. So you don't feel like you're just going to like burn through your savings and blow up your family. Yeah, that makes total sense. And honestly, I, that's kind of where my head's at, but I think my soldiers are telling me like, it's a lot or, you know, um, you know, even my husband, it's a little bit scary for him to have that yeah, be the so case. You might want to have so, a conversation with him where you say, Hey, I'm giving myself, you know, X amount of time. And during that time, what I'm going to ask of you is that we have only supportive conversations and only encouraging conversations around this. And I'm just going to be unavailable for anything fear-based. So if you're feeling scared, you're welcome to go talk to somebody else about that. And then during this 120 days or 90 days, um, yeah. you and I are just going to talk about it in this way. If you want to discuss it with me. Wonderful. Thank you. Really snapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so good and I'll ask Kate to give some more details on her plenty and money programs at the end but Carly I, I feel like because we're going to be wrapping up soon that would be a really good next container for you so does anybody else have questions before we close with Kate it's been this time has gone by so fast and she's a treasure chest of knowledge you can unmute or type it in the chat I love that. Take fear off the table and conversation. Yeah. I just have a quick question. I was, uh, I was, I follow you, you know, all the time. And then Kate had mentioned the red light therapy. And is that something, if you do it at home, what do you recommend as far as the red light? The yeah. So I use the juve 
what do you use? You you also have a Juve, J-O-O-V-V? My Juve's right here. There it is. Okay, great. Yeah, so I have, mine's older than that, but it's the same size. So I have the one that goes from like the top of my head to like mid-thigh-ish. If I'm, I, I have mine lying on its side and I do it lying down on the bathroom floor. Um, I just like to lie down, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do it. And the juve is the juve is great. Um, I think it's a really good one and um I would check them out for sure. Yes. Love my yeah. juve. I'll, I'll do it when I'm working or I'll put it on the biomat and just yes, I do mine on the biomat. Exactly. And the juve is really good. It I find that it is good for my nervous system, um, but it's also really good for collagen production in the skin and activating your immune system. Um, I'm sure. Jen, you have other data about why, but those are the things I know. It feels good. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels really good. I find my body craves it. Amazing. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. All right. Kate, would you tell us more about your container? So you, you have your books and then your membership and mastermind have come to a close. So how can people get in touch with you um, besides do less book, money, a love story book, the do less planner. They, they want some, some of this like kind of container work with you. Can yeah. you tell us about your program? Yeah. So there are two places. So if you want to just do um, today's Wednesday on Friday, the free, the replays for the free three day event I did last week expire. So you can still get those at plentyworkshop.com forward slash replay. Um, I would highly recommend jumping into those. The, the money miracles that people are experiencing as a result are kind of flabbergasting. One woman told me this morning, she's a beekeeper. And after going through plenty, two like new colonies of bees just randomly chose to live on her property. She said, that's like winning the lottery. Like oh. you just, anyway, so that was like a cool bee story. <laughs> um, and so Go to the plentyworkshop.com forward slash replay. You can check out those. And then Relaxed Money is the program that begins next week. And it is taught live over 14 sessions over seven weeks. And then a year long of support with group coaching with me, which is actually not dissimilar to this. It's just like, a, you know, more people, but kind of like this, where we just get into people's money stuff, get into people's work stuff, career stuff. Um, and then also a monthly live nervous system healing call with Tel Darden, who is one of the um, lead teachers in the school that Sarah Tacey attends alchemical alignment with Bridget, Bridget Vixman. So um, that program is enrolling now until Friday. And all the information for that is over at relaxedmoney.com. Um, that's more of like the money conversation, which of course is related to the way we work. If you're wanting more of a, a work conversation and you were inspired by that 80, 20 rule exercise, you could check out my program. That's uh, self-study it's called heal the way you work. And you can learn more about that over at heal the way you But if you don't want to do one of those things, just follow me on Instagram go to katenorthrop.com, get on my email list. And that's the place that I send a weekly um, newsletter called the Do Less Dispatch with tips and tricks and stories about how you can achieve more by doing less in your life. Thank you, Kate, so much. You are one of the 
foundational and formative people in my life and in my business that have really just been in, in your body of work and what you teach and this energy exchange, like it's completely changed the way I work, the way I live. And I, I cannot express enough gratitude. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and these ladies today. I love having you here and just like in the work and just having you in my life. Thank you, Kate. I'm so grateful. We'll see you soon. Thanks everyone. Bye. So nice to meet you. Hey, real quick, before you go, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Health by Jen podcast. If you could do one thing for me and leave a review on either Apple or both Apple and Spotify podcasts, leave five stars, tell others about how this message is reaching you and serving you. Be sure to check out the show note links middaybitchin.com for my blog and inspirehealthbygen.com on my websites where you can subscribe and receive free content, newsletters, bonuses, and podcast drop dates right into your inbox.